A new poll shows most Americans want Congress to stop investigating the president and return to their usual business of taking bribes and lying. President Trump also hinted he might be a little frustrated with the investigations when he met with Democrats yesterday ostensibly to discuss infrastructure and instead leapt screaming on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi so that the two rolled around on the floor punching one another in the face while articles of clothing flew up in the air and words like pow and wham appeared in the background. In the aftermath, Democrats announced plans to destroy half the universe using the stones in the Infinity Gauntlet, while President Trump threatened to fly his dragon over Chicago and burn it to the ground. When they were informed they were operating in a complete fantasy world while the country's real problems went unaddressed, both sides claimed that was their actual job description according to the Constitution, though they did admit it was the Constitution of the garbage planet Sakar. Among the questions House committees are currently investigating are how much patience do the American people have with meaningless shenanigans? If Russian prostitutes did not urinate on the president, why not? And is it obstruction of justice when the president's motorcade drives by the Capitol building and Trump sticks his bare backside out the window as he goes by? So far, these investigations have cost the American people $640 billion and have turned up little evidence of wrongdoing, although they did find a dollar and 73 cents in small change that had fallen out of Adam Schiff's pockets while he was napping on the couch in his office. Trump says he has had enough of these absurd investigations and believes the matter should be settled by a massive fistfight in the sky above New York. Pelosi says that's childish and ridiculous, and she prefers the sky above San Francisco. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. You know, some people are saying the last season of American democracy is not as good as some of the others. When the show opened, we had characters like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington expounding brilliant ideas and living lives of admirable courage and virtue. Now they let all those great characters die, and the writers are left with a bunch of clowns who are just burning the whole thing down without sufficiently established motivation. But there's another way to look at this. Yes, on the one hand, our government is now composed of keystone congressmen doing absolutely nothing to improve our actual lives while spending every living hour transforming our government into a TV comedy in hopes we'll like their show better than the other guy's show. But on the other hand, that just means the country is doing so well that we don't need these nudniks and can get along fine without them while they're filming the next season of reality TV. So let's entertain ourselves by critiquing the comedy stylings of Trump and Pelosi, but let's also take a look at what reality is telling us while the show goes on. But first, let me say this. If you have ever had any doubts about, you know, sexual performance, if you're a guy and you're worried sometimes about going uh, to bed and you uh, want to talk to a doctor but you're embarrassed, no one else has ever had that experience. No, everyone has that experience. In fact, studies show that 70% of guys who experience erectile dysfunction don't get treated for it because it's awkward to discuss. They're embarrassed, and that's ridiculous. This is where our friends at Roman come in. Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. All you do is go to roman.com slash Claven and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that ED treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right 
to your door. It's got free two-day shipping, and with Roman, it's easy to connect to a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Clavin to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Clavin for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Clavin. And I know it's embarrassing to ask, but how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. And, you know, which reminds me, the Clavenless weekend is already, I mean, this, this week just sped by. The Clavenless weekend is here. We actually have video today of the Clavenless weekend approaching. For each second of silence, you will drop closer to the boiling oil. Speak, I'm losing patience. No. If you don't, nothing will be left of you but the bone. (laughs) That is is frightening. All right, since... (laughs) (laughs) Since everything has become showbiz, let's start with this exciting clip of Elizabeth Warren and Alexandria Occasional Cortex discussing Game of Thrones. They're discussing how Game of Thrones ended, because if there's one thing we all care deeply about, it's what our elected officials think about what we're watching to entertain ourselves on TV. This is why we send them to Washington, D.C., because we need them to discuss our entertainment. For those of you who are not Game of Thrones fans, and one of the things about this stuff is everybody's talking about Game of Thrones, but only about 10 million people, I think, watched it. So, I mean, that's a lot of people, but it's not a great percentage of the people in the country. But if you weren't watching it, basically, that we followed the journey of this lady, the Dragon Queen, from being essentially a sex slave to being a a dominant figure. And then at the end, uh, spoiler alert, but it's uh, the 48 hours have passed. Uh, In the end, she went nuts and she basically lost it and became a tyrant, uh, as these lefties tend to do. Uh, And so here is Alexandria Occasional Cortex and Elizabeth Warren discussing the ending of Game of Thrones. So did you see Game of Thrones last night? I did. I'm, I'm sad. I'm disappointed about it. I was just really meh. I feel like we were getting so close to having this ending with just women running the world. Exactly. And And then the last two episodes, it's like, oh, they're too emotional. Yeah, exactly. Can't do that. The end. It's like, this was written by men. I was even willing at the end to make a quick allegiance shift Mm -hmm. when Danny Mm -hmm. went nuts. Right, right. So I was over to Sansa. Yes. I was like Team yes. Sansa. I will redo my shirts, totally. the whole thing. Totally. And yet Sansa, who already is Queen of the North, thank you very much. Right, right. She walks away saying, and I'll still be Queen of the North. I know. I was Come on, Sansa, go for the big ones. I, I was disappointed. We need to get some feminist analysis up in HBO. Boy, they need some <laughs> help on this. They yeah. do, they, they do. do. There's something a little sinister and frightening about this. First of all, they're talking about the fact they're disappointed women didn't get to rule the world, but it can. They've got a new film out called When Women Rule the World, and the poster, it's not that encouraging, you know? It's this woman with two people's severed heads. One is a head that looks like Donald Trump. He's got a hat that says, Make America Great Again. And uh, she is wearing a very attractive bikini, so that's, that, that's nice. Have you ever noticed, by the way, in science fiction movies, this is almost universally true, in science fiction movies where women rule the world, it's a male S&M sex fantasy. You know, if you see the pictures, it's always the women have a whip or something. I remember once being in this hotel room at, the, I don't know, three in the morning, I'm channel surfing, and I came on this movie where they landed on this planet where women ruled the planet, and all the actors, so help me, all the male actors were like flamingly, o- overtly gay, and the women had these rods that extended, you know, when they pressed the button and they used them to torture the gay, 
Hey guys, I'm sitting here looking like, like what, what am I watching? What is this show? I've never been, and, and Marianne Hartley is in it. I'll, I've, I'll, I've forgotten the name entirely. It was just one of those channel surfing experiences, but uh, it was it was really amazing. So all these movies are just fantasies, right? And and what what basically the left wants, what basically Democrats like Elizabeth Warren and Alexandria Occasional Cortex want, is they want their fantasies to be broadcast over our television sets. So because they think if they change our fantasies, if they change the fantasies they're pumping in, the world will change. This is their idea that they can do this. But the fact of it is that politicians have now left behind the job of politicians entirely right? There's nothing going on in Washington. There's no news. All this week, all these last few weeks, there was a little news. There might be some news out of Iran or something like this, but that went away. There has been no news, right? But that is an indication of the fact that Donald Trump is doing a good job, right? How good a president, you know, you you are a great president if there's no news, because news are disasters and terrible things that happen. So things are going well. And while there's no news, we are in this complete television show. And yesterday we were talking about this. It was just happening minutes before I came on the air. Trump goes into this, what's going to be this infrastructure meeting, which is a difficult subject because nobody, everybody knows we need it. Nobody knows how to fund it. The Democrats, of course, just want to tax and tax and tax because the more you tax people, the more power the government has. Trump isn't going to be able to pull that off with his base. He's made noises about a, a public-private uh, coalition of funders, but it's never been established what that's going to be. Moments before, Nancy Pelosi comes out of a meeting where she's under pressure from her left to impeach, to start impeachment proceedings against Trump. She knows, because she's an old political hand, she knows that that is not a good political idea. But she's got to do something, so she comes out and she's making, she's sounding tougher. That's what she's doing. She's sounding tougher. It's all show. It's like, there's, like, don't put any moral uh, meaning on this, either on our side, on Trump's side, on the conservative side. No moral meaning, no moral meaning on the left all show. It is all display. It is all what they think, which, which television show you think they're, they think you're going to want to watch for the next four years. All right. So Trump goes in and he walks into this infrastructure meeting. She comes out first and she says, oh, he's in a cover up. That's her first remark, right? Because she has to now sound tough to appease her left without getting them to push her into an impeachment proceeding she thinks is a bad idea. He comes out and he says, I blew up the meeting. So here's Trump telling them all they can go screw. I just wanted to let you know that I walked into the room and I told Senator Schumer, Speaker Pelosi, I want to do infrastructure. I want to do it more than you want to do it. I'd be really good at that. That's what I do. But you know what? You can't do it under these circumstances. So get these phony investigations over with. Okay, so that's that's his thing, and he he has a card that shows how much the investigations uh, have cost everybody. And so Chuck Schumer, Chuck Schumer makes the most interesting complaint in the world because while while these guys are putting on this television show, which is all it is, look, you know, Trump knows what he's doing. He's a reality TV star. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's putting on a show. He knows we're all sick of these investigations. Congress is doing nothing. They are doing nothing for the country. And he he knows it. He feels that that's going to work for him. Here's Schumer's argument, which is really fascinating. We were interested. We are interested in doing infrastructure. It's clear the president isn't. He is looking for every excuse, whether it was let's do trade first or whether it was he's not going to pay for any funding 
or whether today that there are investigations going on. Hello? There were investigations going on three weeks ago when we met. And he still met with us. But now that he was forced to actually say how he'd pay for it, he had to run away. And he came up with this pre-planned excuse. And one final point. It's clear that this was not a spontaneous move on the president's part. It was planned. When we got in the room, the curtains were closed. The president, there was a place for him at the front so he could stand and attempt to tell us why he wouldn't do infrastructure. And, of course, then he went to the Rose Garden with prepared signs that had been printed up long before our meeting. Guard your dad. Hey, hey, I hey, 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 mama's boy. Mama's boy. I bet you're going to cry. Come on, mama's boy. Let's see you cry. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, we just have to play that one crying. Chuck is on. Uh, but, but the thing about Schumer is what's he complaining about? He's complaining about the fact that this wasn't spontaneous, it was all show, okay? The Democrats have now been in power in the House since January. What have they done that has not been a show? Name one thing they've done that has not been a show. Ever since the Mueller report came out, they've just been kind of trying to get people to to ignore the fact that there was no collusion with the Russians. Trump is absolutely right about this. Every word that Trump said is true. Every word you heard on CNN, uh, MSNBC and NBC and CNN, all those, all that was false. So now they're trying to create this obstruction of justice idea that also was not in the report. It's all been show. It has all been show. So again, he's complaining that Trump is putting on a show. He's right. Trump is putting on a show. But what he's really complaining about is he's complaining that Trump has stolen the monopoly of show business from the left. Because up until this time, their domination of the uh, news media and the entertainment media has been so complete that the Republicans couldn't put on a show. That's why you had guys pointing at charts and making... And Trump isn't doing any of that. He is just putting on... He's putting on his show, his version of the show. And the media has no choice. He is the president. They've got to cover it. So they are essentially helping him to put on the show. That is what Chuck Schumer is complaining about. Hey, you know, you do not need a fortune to get great sheets. I love my bowl and branch sheets. You may love them because they help you sleep, because they're comfortable, and that way it makes you go to sleep. I don't do any of that. I don't, that is sleeping. Pah, pah. I just lie there on my bowl and branch sheets, considering the universe, reading books, and I love them. I'm up all night, and they're just so comfortable. It, what makes them unique is that each sheet is crafted from 100% organic co cotton, which means that bowl and branch sheets not only feel incredible, but they also look terrific. And that's important if you're up all night like me, but even if you're sleeping in them, it's nice to be that comfortable and have attractive sheets. And since bowl and branch sells exclusively online, you don't pay expensive retail market, so you, you pay half the price, you get twice the quality. Try these sheets for 30 nights. See it for yourself. If you're not impressed, return them for a full refund. Go to bowlandbranch.com today and you'll get 50 bucks off your first set of sheets plus free shipping in the U.S. when you use the promo code CLAVEN. That's 50 bucks off plus free U.S. shipping right now at bowlandbranch.com spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com promo code CLAVEN bowlandbranch.com promo code CLAVEN. Bowl. I'm telling you how to explain, spell bowl. When all I know, you're sitting there thinking, but how, how, how? How do we spell Clavin? K-L-A-V-A-N. No E's. And Clavin, just, it just looks this easy. That's it. All right. So the, the one who is really good at this, I have to say, is 
Nancy Pelosi, you know, you have to give credit, give the devil her due, and it is the devil, and it is her due. She she is a screaming bitch, <laughs> I have to say. She is so good at it. She, If you ever listen to the way she talks, especially about men and especially about macho men like Trump, she goes right for the groin. Trump may think, because he's a celebrity, he can grab women by the crotch, but she goes teeth first at any man's crotch. She does. Listen, listen to what she says. We had hoped that we could give this president an opportunity to have a signature infrastructure uh, initiative uh, to create jobs, uh, to improve the quality of life, uh, to to just do so much for our country uh, on on the ongoing, not only the jobs it created by building, but the commerce it would promote. And, and that included uh, roads and bridges and uh, mass transit, uh, inf- um, internet, internet, well, net, broadband. Net, broadband into rural America and other underserved areas, uh, clean water, wastewater, all of the things that have enormous needs. Uh, the American Society of uh, Civil Engineers says it's in the trillions, uh, the deficit we have. We're talking about a couple billion dollars. For some reason, maybe it was lack of confidence on his part that he really couldn't come match the greatness of the challenge that we have. Uh, didn't wasn't really uh, respectful of the reason of the Congress and the White House working together. He just took a pass, and it just makes me wonder why why he did that. In any event, I pray for the president of the United States, and I pray for the United States of America. (laughs) He just didn't have the confidence to live up to the challenge. She always does this, and she does it especially with Trump, but she's she's just absolutely uh, plain and open about it. She just goes after his manhood all the time. He doesn't have any confidence. He's not up to the challenge. And, you know, what's what's funny about it is even if you listen to them, they're telling two different stories. Either he's a coward or he's putting on a show. Either he can't do the challenge or he's just playing a game with them. You know, he's just playing up something. I mean, I guess their whole thing is that he's playing this game because he's afraid he doesn't know how to fund it or whatever. He's he's doing it for the same reason they're investigating him. He thinks the people will like his show better than they like her show and and Schumer's show. And and by the way, the fact that the left wing that that the left wing media has lost its monopoly on setting the narrative that Trump has stolen it away from them drives, it is what drives them insane. They can talk about he's a dictator, they can talk about he's a sexist, they can talk about it a racist, all the fantasies they've been trying to sell, that's not what bothers them. What bothers them is he is just as good as establish, at establishing a narrative as they are. That's what drives them crazy. On MSNBC, and that's the left-wing station, so I, I don't pick on them for that, they're openly left-wing, but all they're doing now is just spewing insults. Here's, here's a montage from newsbusters. They're just throwing insults at them. He is incapable of making a deal. He's just no good at it. He stinks at it. Just the the worst deal maker that's ever sat in the Oval Office. Like this whole thing yesterday looked ridiculous. It was like a kid's play that was set up by a bunch of bumbling idiots. The president set this up, acted like a complete idiot. You know, Eddie, the country's on some level become numb to this circus that we watch every day. But this was an extraordinary day, even by that measure. Just uh, the word that keeps coming back to my mind is pathetic. On one level, really, you're right, it's pathetic. On, on another level, it's, it's quite dangerous. 
It's pathetic, it's stupid, it's dangerous, an idiot, incompetent, it's all. <laughs> what is it? Because he is doing their job better than they are. And by the way, let's, let us not idolize Donald Trump. I mean, one of the things is, what's really funny is, I think Trump is doing a really good job, but that points to something. And I think, by the way, it, it is true that the fact that they're just toying around, how's your life? I, I think things are going pretty well. People have work, they're doing their work. Life takes place on the ground. It doesn't take place in Washington, D.C. It takes place at your house. It takes place at my house. That's where life takes place. That's where the country is built. That's where things are actually done. They're not done in the Capitol. They're done in your home, in your living room, where you're raising your kids, at your work, where you're doing your job. That's where America happens. This, has, this is just a show. It's just a TV show. And the less they do, the better off we are. And that is actually the truth of it. And so what, what gets me about this is, look, Donald Trump, may have a genius for what he's doing, but he's no genius. I don't think he's ever read the Constitution. I don't think he's, he's you know, an intellectual. I think his thoughts are kind of, he's got a good gut. He's got a good, he feels his way through things really well. He learns, he changes. I, I think that that's something he doesn't get any credit for. He's an older guy, but he actually does change tactics and change uh, avenues and just tries to get somewhere where he can accomplish something. I uh, admire him for all those things, but he's, he's no genius. He's not a genius. It's just that simple to make the country work. It is that simple. I mean, this is the thing that I believe, I've said this before and I've said it you know, in speeches and things like this, but it's important that we are the beneficiaries of a revolution in understanding about the world. That revolution took place in about the 17th century through the 18th century, okay? It was the revolution, revolutionary understanding that God doesn't tinker with the universe, that he made the universe to work. That was what Isaac Newton discovered. It's not that Isaac Newton didn't believe in God. He did believe in God. He just believed that God had made a machine that worked. He didn't have to sit there and go, oh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna push the earth like this, and the earth would do what it was going to do. Adam Smith followed that up by saying the same thing about the economy. The economy works through invisible means, if people are left alone, each person will try to improve his lot, and that will raise all ships. And essentially, the founders uh, of the country followed that, that up and saying, oh, the country can be made by people on the ground if we leave them alone. It's that easy. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Today, there's a piece, we, we had uh, Myron Magnet on. I can't remember if it was earlier this week or last week. I think it was last week. Uh, brilliant, brilliant man, Myron Magnet. Just a brilliant guy. He's written a new book about Clarence Thomas. Uh, and he has an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about Clarence Thomas. And he says some of the things that he said on the show. But he just, when he writes, just like Thomas Sowell is like this too. These brilliant guys. Thomas Sowell, Antonin Scalia is like this. Who's the other one? Shelby Steele is like this. They write with such simplicity that when you read it, you think like, oh, yeah, I, I, I know that. I know that. Because the truth makes sense. The truth is simple, right? So if it's so easy, if it's so easy, if all they have to do is leave us alone, dial back the regulations, dial back the taxes, if that's all you have to do, if even reality TV show guy Donald Trump can do it, if even Donald Trump can make the country uh, do well, why doesn't everybody do it? And the answer is because human beings are fallen and they want things, they want things that don't happen when we let the world take care of itself, like power and like fame. And we talk about power a lot. I talk about power a lot. We talk about fame too. You know, fame. John Milton called fame uh, the the last infirmity of noble minds. The last infirmity was the last sin you let go of was the desire for fame. And listen, the desire for fame can be a powerful force for good, 
if you understand what fame is, fame is doing something worth remembering. That's what fame is. But fame in a world where you've stopped believing in an afterlife, in a world where you've stopped believing in a judgment beyond this world, fame just becomes celebrity, right? Anybody can be a celebrity. All you got to do is walk down the street with your pants off and you'll be a celebrity for 15 minutes. I mean, that was why uh, um, Andy Warhol said that, you know, everyone will be a celebrity for 15 minutes. So these guys are fighting to get their faces in front of the camera. And it, and it has a larger, a lar it has larger ramifications in the way people think. You know, uh, Candace Owens, I just did Candace Owens' podcast. I don't know when they're going to put it on, but I was... Uh, uh, she interviewed me, and we were talking about the fact that one of the first places she appeared was on my show, uh, because I saw her on YouTube. I thought she was A, beautiful, and B, had real skill, real talent, had a story to tell. I thought, this is somebody who's really going to be big. And as I did with uh, um, uh, Jordan Peterson, and as I did with Michael Knowles, which is going to get me sent to hell, and as, I, as actually I knew Shapiro when I heard him on the radio, I knew he was going to be big. I, you know, I just recognize these people when they come along, and she has done great, and God bless her for it. They had her on with uh, Harvard professor Cornell West, right, who is a spokesman for left-wing racial uh, ideas. And Mediaite, which uh, until about three months ago was a really good site where they would make fun of everybody and they would point out whether people on the left or people on the right were doing badly or doing something stupid. They would just say it. Here's Trump being stupid. Here's Pelosi being stupid. Now they've just become yet another woke anti-Trump site. So they put up this debate. Laura Ingram has a debate between Cornell West and Candace Owens, right? And they put up a thing that says Fox News Booker subjects Harvard professor Cornell West to Candace Owens. Why? Well, they forgot to mention Candace takes him apart. Candace takes him to pieces. And you'll see why in just a second. But this is the, what I mean when everything becomes a show and everything becomes about how things look and how things feel. You start to go down some very dark roads. It is, it is it's comical what they're doing in Washington right now. To me, it's all comedy. It's not hurting anybody, really, as long as people figure it out. But if people don't figure it out, as I was saying about abortion yesterday, if people don't figure out reality from fantasy, they can do some very dark stuff. Listen to what Cornell West says about the problem with Donald Trump for black people. The president has a language that creates an atmosphere that is so xenophobic against black folk, Mexicans, Muslims. He rarely wants to stay in contact with their humanity. So when you look at the statistics, that's one thing. But when you create an atmosphere and an ambience of xenophobia, it reinforces the polarization, and therefore, many black folk wouldn't even be able to connect the statistics that look good with the language, the atmosphere that feels so bad. And that cold-hearted, no. mean-spiritedness is something that cuts very, very deep in have the you, spirit of people. Have you met him? Myself. That, that, that is an amazing statement, and an amazing statement. The statistics, which show that, of course, black people have more jobs, the uh, wages are going up, things are going better for them than they ever went under Obama, that doesn't matter. It's the ambience, it's the feeling, it's the atmosphere that he creates with the words that he says. That is the left-wing point of view. Let's listen to Candace's response. 
I think the president is doing something different. Definitely his tone is different because he tells the truth and he doesn't pander to black America. He hasn't offered us hot sauce. He's offered us jobs. That makes many people uncomfortable uh, because they're, they're from an era where race hustling is a business. Uh, they're used to telling black Americans that they're victims, writing books about victimhood, and that is no longer selling in America. And I just wanted to comment back on saying that xenophobia is something that black Americans are afraid of. Xenophobia means that you have a fear, uh, Mr. West, of foreigners. Black Americans are not foreign in this country. We are a piece of the American dream. We've earned a piece of this American dream, and we're getting tired of people telling us that we are somehow separate of it. I mean, that's, that's really what I have to say. We're doing tremendous under this presidency. Uh, there is no candidate that is offering anything on the left to counter what Trump has offered. They're just offering more rhetoric, more fear-mongering, and unfortunately, time is up on this narrative. We are ready to move on and embrace our futures. It's an amazing debate, because it was really the left and right writ large, right? One is saying the ambience, the feeling, the narrative, and the other is saying, no, we're doing great. Let's move on. Let's drop the narrative and move on with our lives. And that is the difference. And you see it so much today or yesterday, I guess, uh, talking about the news. Michael Avenatti, uh, the attorney, right, who was defending Stormy Daniels, he has now been, uh, federal prosecutors now say that he used a doctor document to steal $300,000 from that Stormy Daniels was supposed to be paid for her book deal. So here's this guy guy who just the other day, basically, CNN had on, I think they had him on 120 times in the course of uh, two years, 120 times. They had Avenatti on. They were talking about him being president. They were talking about him destroying Donald Trump. Now this guy is stealing from a stripper. He's stealing money from a stripper. That is what he's doing. A woman who, who, who you don't even remember, right? That narrative is gone now. That was everything. That was, oh, the woman, what a hero this stripper was because she slept with a guy and then broke her, uh, you know, her agreement not to talk about it. I mean, now that that is reality, so the narrative is just gone. The other one is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Northam in Virginia. Uh, they just did this study, uh, a law firm investigating. Remember, he was, he was the guy who did this thing in blackface, but then it turned out that both the guys under him had also scandal so that if he went down, a Republican would take over the state. So suddenly, blackface was fine. Go ahead and do blackface. You know, this is a guy. This is a guy who literally Northam in an interview. Uh, somebody said, "Could you do a moon dance?" And he was just about to break into a moon dance when his wife said, "Don't do that. Don't do that." I, I literally thought he was going to say, "Does anybody have any shoe polish I can black up?" I mean, this guy. It was the real deal. And now suddenly they're saying we can't decide. There was a study, uh, a law firm working for the medical school where, where the picture was, it was in his medical school yearbook, says, we can't determine it was him. He admitted it was him. Then he changed his mind and said it wasn't him. But I mean, it, it's just like reality catches up with you after a while, but it's just all show. And it gets, it gets dark, you know, it gets dark if you follow this path into, into all, where everything, where everything is show business. Let me just end, uh, because I want to get to our guest, Evan it. Let me just end with, um, the one guy is becoming one of my heroes is John Kennedy of Louisiana, uh, who just speaks the truth. Senator John Kennedy, uh, he just he just basically says, if you're going to impeach the president, don't make a show of it. Just do it. It's the first cut. I don't know what the president's motivation is. It could be Machiavellian. It could be he's just frustrated. And I understand why he's frustrated. Um, I think that some, I don't want to speak with too broad a brush, but some members of the House leadership they're just toying with him. I meant what I said. They need to, uh, to urinate to get off the pot. Go ahead and mm -hmm. impeach him if you think he deserves to be impeached. He won't be convicted in the Senate, 
but, but uh, stop towing him. And, and you say, well, you know, they're in good faith. Some have said that. Well, pr maybe some. But let me give you an example, Chuck. The ha House Ways and Means Chairman. He says, I got to see Trump's tax returns because uh, it'll help me evaluate yeah. uh, how well the IRS conducts audits. Right. And, and, and Jimmy Hoffa died of natural right. causes. Nobody believes that. So what I tell my House leadership friends, look, either impeach him or go ahead and, and hold Let every me, member of the Trump administration yeah. in contempt and let's get it in the court and so we can get back to work. And let, let me, me say one other thing. I was sure. equally critical of my Republican colleagues in the Senate because we can do more, too. He, he told he told both of them, he said, get get going. Let's do stuff for the people. That is the voice of reality. It's going to be really interesting as 2020 comes close, whether we're going to vote for reality or vote for this show. Donald Trump has done what he thought was necessary, but he and what where his talents lie are in creating a narrative to counter the narrative of the left. But I just hope the people are paying attention, like Candace Owens, paying attention to how we're really living right now, as opposed to how we were living under Obama, and as opposed to this ambience, this atmosphere, this television show that Washington D.C. has now has now become. <clears throat> we are not going to break before our guest because I want you to see him. He's an old pal of mine and a com comedian and a uh, comedy writer, Evan Sayet. But, but that is all the more reason for you to go to dailywire.com and subscribe. It's only a lousy 10 bucks a month, 100 bucks for the year, and you get the leftist tears tumbler. Evan Sayet is a writer, comedian, a producer. He helped create the Arsenio Hall Show. Uh, he was the very first creative consultant on Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher uh, and delivered uh, stand-up comedy to David Letterman's uh, the Late Show, among many other things. He has now got a new book out called Apocalypse Now, which takes you through all of the ecological catastrophes liberals have threatened us with, but which have proved less than apocalyptic. Evan, have I got you? Are you there? Yep, I'm here. And uh, I like I like the, the title alone got a chuckle from you because the title is... <laughs> I, I, I read the entire book and chuckled throughout and we will talk about it. But I, I want to talk to you. We've been talking a lot about comedy here because obviously comedy has now been monopolized by the left to the point where they can actually get up and say, we're not going to be funny anymore. We're just going to talk about the things that matter to us. I want to go back. You, you, you helped create the Arsenio Hall show. You worked with Bill Maher. What, what is it like for a guy, because you're an openly conservative guy, you've been very brave about it, you've never uh, been uh, mealy-mouthed about it. What is it like for a conservative guy in a writer's room with Bill Maher or Arsenio Hall or any of those people? Yeah, the, the answer is I don't know, because <laughs> back, back then I was still on the left. I okay. mean, uh, growing up, I to, to borrow Andrew's, uh, Andrew Breitbart's description, liberalism was the default factory setting for somebody born into my demographic. You know, I was a New York City born Jew and wasn't that steeped in politics. I knew exactly what every Democrat knows. I know that Democrats, are, I knew that Democrats are good and Republicans are evil. I'm good. I'm yep. a Democrat. That's all I needed to know. You know, Democrats like peace. Republicans like war. I like peace. I'm a Democrat. Democrats like air. Republicans hate air. I like air. <laughs> it, it wasn't until after um, I became a conservative that uh, I, I left all of these shows. I stopped writing for television. You know, people ask me all the time, has your career been hurt since you've come out as a conservative? And the answer is, I don't know. 
because the day that I recognized, and my epiphany wasn't that I had the wrong beliefs and the wrong values. It was my epiphany was that the beliefs and values I held were not represented by the left. My my beliefs remain the same as uh, from from when I was young. You know, I, I recognize good and evil, right and wrong. That America is exceptional, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I remain a lowercase l liberal. In fact, what I seek to conserve, what we seek to conserve as conservatives, is a liberal democracy. Yeah. No, I feel exactly the same way. When you watch now and you see. You see, like, every single show. I mean, it, it makes me a little nuts because there's nothing to watch at night if you don't want to be in, uh, insulted. When you see every Re single... Is there... Reruns of 24. What's that? Reruns of 24. Reruns of 24. <laughs> reruns of 24. Uh, is, there, is there any hope in your mind that comedians who are... Who, let's face it, comedians kind of are supposed to be rebels, right? They're supposed to say the things that nobody else says, but now they're saying the things that every other comedian says. Is there any point where somebody says, wait a minute, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe this, where they have your uh, revelation, which was my revelation too, which was the values I represented are not represented by the left. You, do you have any hope of that? It, it's difficult because we allowed the left to be the gatekeepers of the communications industries, right. of the studios. I mean, so even if I were to, or somebody else were to put out exactly what you're describing, let's say, I mean, I like to think of myself, originally, I got back into stand-up comedy when I became a conservative. I've been writing TV shows. I got back into stand-up because when I became a conservative, I said, what weapon, what tool, what do I bring to, to the battle that our side seems to be missing? And I intentionally made myself a Bill Maher for the right. Or, or a George Carlin for the right. Uh, it pointedly political. The difference is I still do jokes. I still do funny <laughs> things. I left has replaced humor with vitriol. And, 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 they're, and they're such caged animals, the left. They're so filled with anger and hate that that release that comes from vitriol is now serving the purpose on the left that humor used to sell, release and, and, and a sense of community and all of these things. So is there hope? There's the downside is they own the mechanism for our getting our voices out there. On the other hand, technology has always been something that has offered a new avenue. So as technologies develop and we have more opportunities where we don't need the gatekeepers, where we can go around the studios, when we have when we can make movies yeah. on our cell phones, uh, that that bodes well. So I don't know the answer. There's there's stuff on both sides. So uh, we're talking to Evan Sayat, the author of Apocalypse Now, his new book. This is a funny title, and it's and it's a funny well, book about Apocalypse. The reason it's funny, Andrew. I'm sorry to, to interrupt. Yeah. Um, the reason it's funny is because Apocalypse is a made-up word. I understand. It's a made <laughs> of apocalypse, but the reality is you can't have an apocalypse. You can't have more than one apocalypse. Right? <laughs> Had they been right even once, even once, we so, wouldn't be sitting here talking. I want to ask you a question uh, because you work with Bill Maher. I want to ask you, Bill Maher, this, I, I respect Bill Maher because he respects free speech. I mean, I don't, I almost never agree with him, but I, but he does have people on the other side on his show, which is amazing in and of itself. He started out, he was... He had a show, Politically Incorrect, which was... I wrote it. Yeah, you wrote, wrote parts of it, right? Years. I wrote it for six years. So, so he, and it was in part Politically Incorrect. What happened to him? Okay, here's exactly what happened to okay. him. Not a thing. What happened <laughs> was the, the show moved. He was never a libertarian. He was never on the right. He was never on the left. He's a narcissist. The show, when I wrote it, was done out of New York City. 
In New York City, you leave the studio, you walk down the stairs, you walk into the street, you walk past cab drivers, you walk past construction workers, you walk past doormen. If you are a narcissist and you need strangers to yell, we love you, Bill, <laughs> in New York City, you've got to be a little bit more of a working man's mentality. Huh. When the show moved to Hollywood, you leave the studio, you get in your private car, the gate goes up, You there are no cab drivers, there are no doormen. There are you just drive in your private car till you get to your gated community. And now who's in your gated community to yell, we love you, Bill? It's gonna be Susan Sarandon, it's gonna be all the radical leftists. So he's always been a panderer. In New York, he pandered to the working class a little more, but once he got out to Hollywood, he he pandered to the his fellow leftists and showbiz. That is that is really an interesting analysis. It really is. Let us talk about Apocalypse now, though. First of all, it's in rhyme. You didn't laugh that time. What's that? You didn't, you didn't laugh that time when you said Apocalypse. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, after a while, I mean, <laughs> like, but but this is you you go through in rhyme all of the things that the left has been telling us are going to destroy the world for the last what 30, 40 years. Actually. I, the book was published on, by no coincidence, Earth Day, which was April 22nd. Okay. On that same day, CBS News decided to run Walter Cronkite's coverage of the very first Earth Day 49 years ago. And at the very end of it, he, he, he's almost weepy. It's like he had gotten his death sentence, which we had. And he turns to the camera and the people at home, and as the most trusted man in America, he looks in the camera and he says, the message is clear. Act now or die. <laughs> now that's what that's what AOC is telling us. Yeah. Act now or die. Yeah. That's what they were telling us with the ozone layer. That's what they were telling us with acid rain. And you know where you hear that that concept, act now or die? It's at the end of every used car salesman's pitch. <laughs> act now, time's running out. Right? Yeah. Because if you can force somebody to act quickly, they act foolishly. If they're in fear, they will act foolishly. And obviously, turning over our money and our freedom to the Democratic Party is, is a foolish act. Yeah. You know, I always tell people there's uh, there may be science that the world is warming, but there's no science that giving our power to the government is going to cure anything. Evan Sayet, the author of Apocalypse Now. Get it? It's funny. And you're funny. It's always good to see you, Evan. Thanks a lot. So good to see you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, a final reflection before I send you cascading into the Clavenless weekend where there is only weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, you know, the, the left has this story they tell that they were, uh, they were the racists. Uh, yes, they were in favor of slavery and the Republican Abe Lincoln came along. Yes, they were the Ku Klux Klan. Yes, they, they were the, it was the Democrats who shaped uh, Jim Crow. But then everything turned around. Richard Nixon and his uh, Southern strategy. Yeah, and everything turned around. And, and, you know, the thing is, there is a little bit of truth to that in that the people who are, who are very conservative and don't like change at all may have been against some of the changes uh, that came up upon us in the 60s and 70s, or actually in the 50s and 60s, uh, that gave black people more freedom. However, the racial attitudes, the racist attitudes that infested the South during Jim Crow and during the slavery days are still this wholly owned uh, property of the Democrat Party. They are still racialist thinkers, and it is debilitating, it's disgusting to me to see the ideas that we thought were over, that we thought we had gotten past, kept alive by the race industry on the left. You know, there was a, le a, a piece to their credit, published in the uh, Washington Post, uh, where democracy dies and sanctimonious bloviating, uh, there was a, a piece written um, by the K. Cole James, who is a black lady and the 
president of the Heritage Foundation. And in order, they want to curate hate speech, right? So they got an advisory board and they thought, well, we won't just have them on the left. We will have someone from the right. And they asked Kay Cole James to become part of this advisory board. And she became the victim of an outrage mob. And they finally got rid of the advisory board because it was too right wing by having Kay Cole James. She wrote this piece uh, in the Wall Street Journal. And here's what she says. In 1961, at age 12, I was one of two dozen black children who integrated an all-white junior high school in Richmond. White parents jeered me outside the school and inside. Their kids stuck me with pins, shoved me in the halls, and pushed me down the stairs. So, when the group of Google employees resorted to calling names and making false accusations because they didn't want a conservative voice advising the company, the hostility was reminiscent of what I felt back then, that same intolerance for someone who is different from them. I have seen this. I have seen the way black conservatives are treated in Hollywood. Uh, it has actually brought tears to my eyes to see this stuff come back under the guise of being woke. Woke is bigotry. Woke is racism. That is what it is. And it is intolerable that we la allow this stuff come back under the name progressive when it is could not be more regressive. The other day, I don't know, maybe two days ago, I finished my project of reading the Gospels in Greek, uh, which I'm very proud of in spite of the fact that I had to use a dictionary every other <laughs> word. And I can't remember how long. It took me like uh, two years, maybe a year and a half. I don't know, but it took me a long time. I started out by reading one sentence in Greek uh, and translating it. And then by the end of it, I was reading five sentences in Greek. And part of the greatness of, of the experience was just reading the Gospels that slowly, having to think about them in these little uh, bites, which was just really, really interesting. And one of the things that I was struck by was the spiritual realism of both the Gospels and of every word that comes out of Jesus's mouth. Um, it, it, it is a tragic view of life but it is also an incredibly uplifting view of life. And it is a view of life that is kind of like what I was talking about before, that the system is in place and there's nothing we really need to do except work for our own betterment. So it, it's like we can't repent of our sins. We have to accept grace and then move on and give grace to other people. It's the same thing with racism. It's the same thing with the, the, the sins of the past. There's no answer to racism except to stop. There is no answer to racism except to love God and love the image of God who is your neighbor. Turns out that's the image of God, right? The greatest wisdom is so simple. Why don't we do it? Because we are broken, right? Listen, you're going to experience racist thoughts. You're going to experience lust, greed, and envy, and all the rest. But if you accept grace, if you forgive yourself, if you let yourself be forgiven, you can also forgive other people of these things and move on. It is a tragic but simple answer. And unfortunately, maybe, or fortunately, it's the only answer. It's the only answer. We cannot, we cannot, as conservatives, and I would hope as wise liberals, we cannot let this racism come back into our country under the guise of woke. It's disgusting, and it is something we need to leave behind. The Clavenless Weekend is upon us. It doesn't matter what I say, you're doomed, but survivors gather here on Monday. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show.
The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angul. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Democrats accuse President Trump of a cover-up and he walks out on him. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show.